Welcome to Conversations with Z and Vindesh, a weekly discussion that explores common life challenges and offers practical solutions. Learn more at dharmamedia.com. That's D-H-A-R-M-A media.com. Yo, welcome back everyone to this week's edition of Conversations. Z, we're talking about a lot of stuff, a lot of interesting things happening in the world. And it brings to mind one of the recent posts I put out on social media. So I put out something, and it was meant to be a short, thought-provoking piece. It was like a 45-second video. And the title was, What's the Biggest Threat That We Face? And the video went into how the biggest threat that we face are the hardcore patriots, uh, which is maybe a different view than a lot of the country has, because a lot of times you think about patriotism as being a good thing. But I was arguing that patriotism, when you're an extreme patriot, just like when you're an extreme anything, it's bad because it makes you blind. You follow the ideology. You don't accept criticism. You don't look at any of your faults. You just keep on marching ahead and you shout down all opposition. So I was thinking about that and I brought up a few points like in 2003 when we went into Iraq and there was that whole discussion of weapons of mass destruction, which turned out to be false. Anyone who raised any opposition was called a terrorist sympathizer. And I remember the line at that time was like, oh, you're being unpatriotic, unpatriotic. So we ran this thing through and basically spend a trillion dollars in this war on terror that just creates more instability and more terrorism and a tremendous amount of death. And you fast forward and we're sort of in the same environment because you got people who, when you look at what's happening around the world right now, there is this narrative about patriotism. Are we going to support our allies? Are we going to defend ourselves against other parts of the world that are evil? And I just don't buy it. At the very least, I think you should be able to ask questions. You should be able to have debate. But when you take these extreme positions, it becomes a hammer that people use to beat down all opposition. And then you just end up doing stupid things and there's no walking back. So I put this video out there. I got an interesting comment from someone uh, because I think the caption was, what's the biggest threat that we face? And so the person was responding to that caption. And they said, no, it's not patriotism. It's our corrupt politicians who uh, are just seeding war around the world and selling weapons. And I said, you know what? I completely agree with that. It is the politicians. And in fact, you can look at politicians, whether it's Democrat or Republican, you can go back as far as you want. I mean, I I went back to Reagan, from Reagan to Bush to Clinton uh, to Obama to Biden. I mean, Trump did it in different ways. He was maybe a bit of an outlier in terms of foreign policy, but he was destructive in other ways. So you look, regardless of the president, regardless of the political affiliation, the outcome is the same. We're quietly destroying the world behind the scenes. And this is just par for the course. So I said, yeah, I completely agree with that point. It is the politicians. But what enables the politicians? Why are they able to get into power? It's because they spin these stories about how we have to be strong and we have to protect ourselves and we have to defend ourselves against all of the evil in the world. And people buy into it. I mean, if those stories didn't resonate, politicians wouldn't use them they would come up with something else. Maybe they'd come up with something more productive. So I think it still eventually, Z, comes back to us. It comes back to what we're susceptible to, how we think about the world, how we allow the media and our politicians and our special interests to shape what we think is going on, 
uh, to shape what we think is okay, uh, to shape what we pay attention to and what we don't pay attention to. And if they do that job correctly, and I think they can because there's a tremendous amount of resources that are funneled into it, that are funneled into shaping our points of view, uh, then they can quietly go on and do whatever they want behind the scenes. And they've got our support because they've sold us this idea that the system is going to collapse unless we follow along. People are going to attack us unless we follow along. Democracy and freedom are going to fail unless we follow along. And this is just so deeply ingrained, Z, that we never bother to think about it. So we never deviate from that narrative and we just go in these crazy directions. So that's where we're starting out. And that's just what I'm observing about the world. I mean, this has been going on for a while. It seems like it's getting worse. Maybe the brainwashing is more complete than it used to be. The cost of speaking out against the system and being canceled, being vilified, losing your job, it's higher than what you've seen in the past. And I just wanted to open up the discussion because this is very dangerous. I mean, it's dangerous for a couple of reasons. Obviously, if we're going out and destroying the world, that's a bad thing. That's a lot of money uh, that is just being wasted. That is a lot of suffering that's being created. But then at the same time, if you spend your resources on the military and on foreign adventurism, you don't have any money to spend at home. So you look at the state of the economy and people are struggling with inflation. They're struggling with home prices. They're struggling with education. We're struggling with infrastructure because we don't have enough money to put in these different areas because the money is being wasted on destruction or it's being wasted on corruption. Uh, so if we really want to turn this system around and also reclaim our own humanity uh, so that we're not just immune to everything that's happening and all of the incredible amount of pain that parts of the world are going through, we need to change the way that we think, which is a theme that we often talk about. We need to be sensitive to what's going on. And maybe the way to think about it, Z, we need to be able to deprogram ourselves. So let's start on that note. How do we go about the process of deprogramming ourselves? Yeah, Vin, you brought up, uh, as usual, a good point. And when you think about deprogramming, before you can even do that, you have to know there's a flaw in the programming. And in order to know there's a flaw in the programming, you can look at immediate effects of the program. Um, what I mean by that, is it working? Is something not working for you? Uh, does it keep failing, right? These are things you want to look at. Does it keep failing? And when you look at, let's take society from the individual level, as you listen to the different talking heads and they say the economy is this way, it's all political talk, right? Whether the economy is good or bad, who are they asking? And if you run around and you parrot them, who have you consulted with? So these are kind of like immediate tangible things you can look at. Uh, there was an announcement that the average American had $400 in reserve for emergencies. $400. So that means the economy is not good. The average person is spending, um, when the gas prices go up, 60% of their income on transportation costs. What they mean by that is not just filling up your tank, but the increased price of goods at the grocery store. Right? So your dollar doesn't go as far in the grocery store. But you're parroting something somebody told you, and you're running around with this plastered-on smile 
saying the economy is and you're arguing over which politician will rescue you. You've been programmed. You've been programmed. Because if you take a pause for the moment and take a, a dispassionate, clear view of your life, and there are ways it could be better, a lot of it is just diminishing stress. So how stressed out are you all the time? How can we live a life less stressed? Because when you're stressed out, you're not enjoying life. And everybody, we look at the quality of life based on that enjoyment index. The things that are important to you, how are you doing with the things that are important? Your kids okay, your spouse okay, your wife, whoever, husbands, wives, they're, they're all good. Friends, family, all good. Check, check, check. That's called a good life. If everybody you know is facing a mental health crisis, an economic crisis, a security crisis, things aren't going well. But if you feel like they're doing well when they're not, if you feel like the house, though you know the house is on fire, but you want to finish the TV show before you leave the house, you know something's wrong with you. If you look around and you see the state of health of the average person, and compare that to what you've known in your lifetime, then you know something's wrong. If you could bear witness to the issues of the day, just as a human, taking a, again, a stand back, dispassionate view, and you watch catastrophe, you watch mayhem, you watch genocide going on all over the world, and you understand that there's a role you play in the international commerce system that supports and promotes the degradation of general humanity, but you're okay with it. You've been programmed. You said earlier before we began to cast how some of this stuff had made you feel sick. And I share with you, yeah, looking at these now that they're able to get through the internet and actually show you real live footage of things going on in different parts of the world and you're seeing uh, dead babies and people trying to say that these babies were shields. and uh, You feel sick as a human being because that's what makes you a human being is your ability to express empathy, compassion, to assess, have forward thinking, problem solving. And when you're not doing all of that, you stop being human. You're just a beast, some kind of beast that simply is consuming resources. And it is innate to us to have qualities that are distinguishing our human qualities. And we know when we're like, if we had a physical illness, you know if you can't walk without a limp or if you can't get up and down stairs or if you're in so much pain that you're writhing in pain and you can't function today, there's something wrong. We should know that something is wrong with us when the general markers of humanity are disappearing from our lives. You follow me, Vin? Yeah, yeah, no, I definitely uh, follow you, Z. Uh, we are at this point where I don't know if it's we've just become so numb to it or we're so willing to go along. It's interesting, we were talking offline, and as you said, I was just investigating what's happening in the world and why it's happening. And some of this, I know the broad strokes, but they're details that now I'm looking into. And if you look at what 
the U.S. policy has been in this war on terror, even in the last uh, seven or eight years, uh, you look at places like Iraq and Syria, and the death and destruction has been horrendous. In a lot of ways, it's been much worse than what's happening today. But the difference is that everything in the war on terror, uh, probably from 2011 onwards, has been happening in the shadows, in the background. I mean, it's just part of day-to-day functioning. That's just how we roll. Every day we send out, on, on average, 44 bombs and we bomb different parts of the world. And we talk about how we're going to root out terrorists, but there's a tremendous amount of human cost in that. Uh, there are tens of thousands of civilians who are dying. I looked at some of the pictures of this uh, from articles chronicling what happened in uh, Iraq or in Syria. And you have villages that were just entirely flattened. I mean, there is nothing left. It's like they were carpet bombed. I mean, the analogy is what happened in World War II, uh, where entire areas, whether there were civilians or no civilians, were just destroyed, uh, wiped off the face of the earth. And you think about just the horror of being subjected to that. That's your reality, uh, that everything you know, your family is destroyed. You lose the people who are closest to you. You lose your home. You lose your economy. You lose your way of life. Uh, Even if you survive, you spend decades in chaos. You spend decades rebuilding. And the rebuilding isn't that effective because now you've got regimes which don't represent the people and you've got different groups that are fighting against each other. Uh, So it's like this hell on earth that people are subjected to. But many of us aren't even aware that these places exist. I mean, if you ask someone where Mosul is, would they be able to tell you that it's in Iraq? Would they be able to tell you what happened? Probably not. I, I probably wouldn't have been able to say, I think I know the name of the city, but I couldn't have told you what happened until I looked it up. So it's interesting to me because it's almost like there are two different ways in which we're losing our compassion and humanity. One is just not being aware of what is going on. What is the cost of this economic and political system that we have created? Uh, What is the cost of sustaining a Western lifestyle? What is that? What toll does that exact on the rest of the world? And not being aware of that, you could argue that's a form of losing your humanity uh, because you're just not sensitive to the impact of your decisions and lifestyle choices. And so you can be causing destruction without knowing it. As some of that is unavoidable. I mean, there's no way we can get through life without harming anything, without killing anything. But if we have that awareness, you could argue we can make more intelligent choices. So that's part of being human. Uh, The other part of it, which is the flip side Z, uh, which is the opposite end, is you see so much of this. So you're just inundated with numbers and statistics of hundreds of thousands of people dying of floods, of earthquakes, of poverty, of starvation. And it's like, okay, just another day at the office, Uh, just more fucked up things happening in the world. And you can't process all of it. It's too much. And you used a term, which I thought was a very good term, the bandwidth of compassion. So for us to be able to survive, we need to dole out that compassion effectively. Otherwise, we'll always be in a state of despair and crisis. Uh, So it's interesting that you've got these two opposite effects, or sorry, these uh, two events, which are on the opposite end of the spectrum, 
which in a sense are having the same effect and taking away our humanity. Uh, so the question, Z, I think is, what do we do about this? We have to admit that we can't be saints. I mean, we're so intertwined in this global system. There's no way that we can absolve ourselves of all the bad things that are happening. It's just not going to be possible. Uh, so that's number one. And number two, we can't inundate ourselves uh, with with killings and babies dying and mothers uh, losing their sons and just shed tears over that 10 hours a day or 24 hours a day. I mean, there aren't enough minutes in the day uh, to do that. We wouldn't even cover a fraction of it and we wouldn't be able to do anything else. We'd be immobilized. So how do we find some kind of happy medium? I mean, really, what is the the recipe, the prescription for how we get through this life where we can maintain that humanity, we can maintain awareness and compassion, but we're also being realistic about what we can and can't do. And we're not just putting ourselves in a constant state of crisis. Yeah, Vin, it goes back to the, some of the old things, just on being on a path of self-realization. And it starts in small modules, like anything that goes viral. It starts with the smallest of things. You know, the greatest journey starts with the one step. A journey of a million miles starts with one step. And so that's what we do within our collective community. You, you get around people that are on the same journey as you, and you cultivate that. We've been talking this since we started opting out. Um, you've mentioned something you talk about. They talk about countries with the, that the regime doesn't speak for the people. I would ask everybody there, does your government speak for you? Does this so-called government, does it speak for you? Do you support billions of dollars in military aid to these different foreign governments for whatever reason, as opposed to would that money be better spent, your money, your common money that you put into a common collective pot, and supposedly those representatives will speak for you on where that money should go. Let's just go with there. Whatever your views are on the issues in the Middle East, can we just ask a question? If you put your resources, if you are taxed, compelled to put your hard-earned dollars into a pool for the advancement of the commons, that's what it's supposed to be for, the betterment of the commons, which means good streets, good schools, good health care, good housing, good food good agriculture. They have a Department of Agriculture. They put money in that so there can be good agriculture. Are you getting that? Are your, is your government, your so-called government, are they representing you when they just say, um, we support whoever without question? Nobody should support anybody without question. You should always trust and verify whoever you're with, whoever represents you. If you co-sign for somebody, that means you're ready to suffer penalty for them. So be very careful on who you align yourself with um, because the future is, is, is looking and these things never turn out good. None of these war things have ever turned out good. And so you want to divest from that. I've been saying that over and over. And why, you say, well, how does this help? I'm just a small person. Well, your life is your life. You have a small run on this earth. It's your responsibility to create the best life you can for yourself. Part of that is deprogramming yourself so you can make clear decisions about whatever the hell you're doing. That's a big part of it. 
I was sharing with Caitlin, you know, before we started doing, you know, she was going through some crazy stuff, right, Caitlin? Mm -hmm. And the whole community turned out to support Caitlin. Um, and that was, to me, was one of the most heartwarming parts of the world that I have been a part of creating, is that everybody changed priorities to offer this young lady support. Her biggest issue was learning how to be supported, how to let people care for her and love her. I had another experience I told you about a couple of weeks ago in my world. I ran, I reconnected with Shaka after 33 years. We were sitting in a restaurant on my son's 34th birthday. Shaka held him when he was newborn before he was one years old. Just through a series of unfortunate events, Shaka and I's path went in different directions. He was supposed to be with me through all the entertainment stuff that I, I have all these stories and that you've got to experience, Ben. You went to the funeral with me, uh, with Shaka's funeral. Uh, Shaka was supposed to be right there. Shaka was right there when it started. So you got to see part of Shaka's world, Ben. And our world is a beautiful world. Just a beautiful world. Um, people of common interests, common mindset that look after each other. We may be from very different parents, maybe even different cultural backgrounds, but we have a common thread of consciousness that we get. We benefit from each other's relationships. This is what I suggest to everybody: divest from these governments, these religions. Uh, these cults of all kind, think for yourself. If you find pieces of these things that work for you, take what you can and throw the rest away. As I've said, when you lose your mind, when you make yourself more susceptible to programming, one of the first things people turn to are bizarre religions. All these religions are bizarre. There are good things in them. There are good stories. And I'm not knocking anybody for that but I will knock you for being a fool. And if you find a religion that doesn't like you, then you don't try to change the religion. Don't be a part of it. One of the challenges that I have whenever I deal with people and their belief systems, which they were raised to be into, they were programmed to be into, there is no gene for religion. When you do DNA testing, you can find out the origin of a person and their family, but you can't find their religion in their DNA. Religion means habit. Abrahamic belief systems or monotheism are kind of more or less newer concepts to humanity, and they seem to bring with them nothing but trouble. That, that's just, Shaka, you hear what I'm saying? I just don't see them doing that much for humanity. There are certain ethical rules yeah, don't steal this. But then you start studying them. And I, 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 I'll share with you. If you study the Holy Quran and Islam, there's nowhere in there that tells women to wear burqas. There's a lot of stuff in there that, just, that people say are part of religion that had nothing to do with whatever the scripture was. There are many troublesome things in, 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 in the Christian faith and I'm saying this because I want us to think and break the programming, break free of the matrix, unplug yourself, and then pick the things you want to be a part of based on being clear-minded.
I always share the experience. I remember going to a Mormon church as a child, and we had to sing, and they looked at us like we had just walked out of a zoo. And I realized that in their religion, they believe that the only way a person like me to go into heaven is the moment of death, they, you turn white. So I knew I couldn't join that religion. And I'm not going to join that religion. Then I went to some other religion, and they thought it was okay to have sex with your sister. I said, I guess I won't join that. I'm not attracted to my sister. I think that's weird, and it's unnatural. So I won't join them, okay? So you look around, and you start studying. I used to wonder why did um, these kind of Orthodox Jews seem to really hate black people. And they don't even know black people. They're mainly Eastern Europeans. They're not African people. They're not Mediterranean people. Then I read in one of their books that basically I was a farm animal. I was a cursed farm animal. So they didn't hate me. I was wrong. I thought they hated me. They didn't hate me. They were simply, um, they saw no value in me as a, as a, as a thing. I was a thing to them. So I, I wasn't even worthy of hate. They were indifferent to me. So I didn't even raise to the level of hate. It was just like if you saw a stray dog walking down the street and you weren't a fan of a dog. That's how they looked at me. So I knew I couldn't support their religion. It's really that simple. It's really that simple. You understand what I'm saying? It is not a complex issue. Then people ask me, well, how do you feel about Palestine and Israel. Well, based on my experience, and I watch, I say I think it's terrible. As a human being, watching this kind of suffering, this kind of genocide, bloodshed, all this going on, and then you have catchy phrases to kind of make it look better, you human shit. You have different phrases you can use to do that. But I've been that person that was called a human shit. That's the problem. I'm Congolese. I've been that person. I've been that subhuman thing. I've been that. Your dear, loving Master Z here, I have been that animal. I have been that creature. I've been that thing that they thought didn't dream. And I know the look of people who feel that that is who I am. And I learned to go beyond simply the reflex of hatred, but understand the dynamic engineering of things so I know why people behave the way they do. That gave me solace and peace, and I could stop hating folks. Because there was a time when I carried with me a lot of rage and hate um, for what I considered to be very just reasons until I started really analyzing it and what it was doing to me. And there was an awakening. That's what they call self-realization. I see how things came to be. Then I can deconstruct the thing. It gives me stewardship over that. I can work with things I understand. If I can't understand it, I'm only reacting. So I would say for all of us, as we went back earlier, that deprogramming by acknowledging that you've been programmed, that there were many false narratives. We said long time ago, we talked about, then the original error, the original mistake you make at the beginning that throws everything off. So we go back to that original error. And I would say for opt-outs of all kinds, avoid everything you're hearing. If you listen to common threads of media, the main finance media, they're telling you one story. 
the beauty of the internet is many people can get their stories out before they're canceled or edited. You get it for about a minute. And you get to witness things in the world, and with that witnessing, you make your own decision. Give me all the details and let me make my own decision, whatever you come to. But if you already are going in there with the bias, with the titling, with the labeling, acknowledge that you're unable to offer an unbiased view. If you say and you declare in your resume or your uh, life vita, whatever, your bio data that you're an American, let's say you say that. Well, we know that you are, have declared your patriotism and you're going to be very biased by anything that happens in America. I can hear in people's voices when they say, oh, China. Okay, so you, I know what news station you're listening to. I know as a person who's traveled the world, as a military person, traveled the world at many levels of security, a student, I've traveled. Most places you go, there are no enemies. Most people are kind, compassionate, just trying to get on with their life. There's no state-sponsored subjugation of another state. This is all made up. You may not believe that because you've heard something else, but I would ask you, don't trust me, investigate it. Investigate it. And once you have come to your own understanding of that, start re-engineering your life. Start divesting from the things that are unhealthy for you mentally. Actually turn off some of the news because we know how this is going to turn out. If you want to know how uh, the Middle East issues of today are going to turn out, Go back and look at the news of in the 70s, the 60s, and see how, how it turned out then. It's going to turn out the same way. How did Afghanistan work out for anybody? That's how it's going to turn out. There's nothing new. This is just being recircled. It's, it's re, you're watching reruns. You're watching sequels with the same plot twist. So just divest yourself from it and work on being the best human being you can be. What are your thoughts on that, Shaka? A lot of things you're saying were, is, is true and kind of breathtaking. Looking at myself, uh, the way I've been raised for the slaughter, and it showed in my early development of uh, the religious concept within the nation of Islam. So a lot of things you and Ben are saying are absolutely true. And it's absolutely thought-provoking, which we need more of. And as Shaka said, we need to provoke thought, stimulate thought. And again, I speak from a point of view of, I actually have enjoyed philosophical and religious studies to an extreme. And I participate in the activities of different religions and philosophy based not on the whole of them, but what specific issues I support. I support community, I support family, I support uh, taking care of the elderly, I support revering your teachers and masters. Those are concepts that I universally support, and wherever I see them existing, I enjoy them. I believe that people should have faith, and not in the idea of an unseen giant sitting in the sky, but of the divine workings of our universe. Uh, life is divine. Life is fragile. That's something I've learned from the loss of many people, that you're here today, gone tomorrow. You become, uh, you become a memory to people. 
within minutes of you, your, your last breath being taken. So this life was just miraculous. It was just an amazing journey. Whenever it stopped, you'll be like, wow, is that it? And so with that, I have a lot of understanding of religious rituals and behaviors and greetings of all kinds. And when I say it, it comes from a deep place in my essence, in my heart. Um, but I also reject many concepts of religion. And I am not a patriot of religions in the sense I'm not a fanatic of anything. I'm not a, 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 I'm not a person that would just get into something and say, I'm going to make it work no matter what. They were talking about the Catholics' issues with pedophilia, Catholic priests. And then they said that also they have a rabbinical issue. They have a lot of rabbis that are pedophiles. And it seems like it repeats itself wherever you have these men of religion who are left in charge of young people. It never goes right. This is something I have seen. That wherever you have men that are so-called religious devotees, the minute they're alone with kids, it goes haywire. You notice that? The minute they're alone with kids, no matter what religion it is. So what does that say about it? And then people say, well, you can't talk about religion. Yeah, we should talk about it. Even if it's amongst people that we can, that we can relate it to. This is a sick thing. Anytime you have a priest, a preacher, a rabbi, an imam, that has sway over many people and they have no heir apparent, that organization or that group is subject to extreme corruption. And that person will submit or succumb to narcissistic psychosis. It always happens, right, Kayla? It always happens. When you overgrandize any person, everybody's running to you and say, oh, father, sir, well, yeah, 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 yeah. That person feels, uh, becomes addicted to power. Didn't that even happen with the Dalai Lama last year? Yeah, the Dalai Lama went kind of crazy. I think he had somebody, uh, he was kissing kids or something. He like licked a... Licked some boy's the, butt or something. I don't no, know, something happened. Tongue or something. Yeah, licked somebody's tongue or something crazy. I said, man, the Dalai Lama went crazy. So there, that's why it's important to have provisions and sanctions on leadership. That's why people need to step down, even in your own family. I had a young man call me. He's having trouble with his 15-year-old son. And he's a single dad going back and forth between the mom and the dad, back and forth, back and forth. And he says, yeah, you know, I'm having issues on the weekends with my son. Like one of them doesn't want to come. He wants to hang with his mom because she doesn't discipline and doesn't put any restraints. And, but the, my younger child, the 12-year-old, is doing fine. We, we have a great relationship. I said, okay, it's time. He's almost there. He's almost a grown man. It's time to him. He, he, he'll feel the, the weight of adulting. You can't fight his mother anymore. They're never going to stop loving their mom, whether she's a, a saint or a tyrant. They're going to love their mom. And what you're doing is you're being put in between and put in a position uh, between your child and his mother that makes you the bad guy. 
the adversary. So you're going to have to surrender your role as a father or accept that the word father is the same word as further. And you've taken as far as you can go. Now he has to go further than you. And he's going to have to taste the bitter fruit of adult decision making. And what you're going to do as a father is step back, focus on the one that needs you the most, the 11-year-old, 12-year-old, but be let the child know, your older know, I'm here for you. When you're ready to come back, I'll still be your dad. And that is all you can do. And he says, is that it? I said, yeah, well, you can go fight his mom. Where's that going to put you? You can go argue with her all day. You can argue with him and his mom. You could get in a fight with them. You could storm in and out of the house. Will that advance your cause? Because your goal is, as a parent, is to get that person ready to live in a world without you. So we apply that to everyday life. We go as far as we can go. We assess the benefit of what we're doing. Sometimes you dig in. Sometimes you, you know where to get off the bus. But it, it, it should be very fluid like that. And so when we are, we are deprogrammed and we are agents of our own self, then we understand these we understand these life strategies better. But when we're programmed, we don't. We'll just follow routines over and over. We'll follow so-called politicians over a cliff. We'll destroy the planet. We'll sit in rush hour traffic, working ourselves to death, barely able to sustain ourselves. And we'll turn on the radio to hear that everything is good. This is a good life. Haven't seen your kids, your wife in a week. You have health issues. You can't go to the doctor to resolve. You feel yourself decaying. And you turn on the radio and they tell you, yeah, things are going great. Biden said things were great. Trump said things were great. Luckily, you're not in the Middle East. They need $100 billion to drop more bombs on somebody that is getting no money from anybody. But it's a religious war because, you know, we got to figure out who's got the best religion. Like a football game, who's got the best team? You on team Allah or team uh, Jesus? Which do you? Let's see who's got the best playbook. I say opt out of all of it. Don't we say that, Ben? No, I've always... I've always been, uh, I had a conversation last month with a few black pastors in the Nation of Islam, brother. And I told him, as black people, we have to make a, a very critical decision. If we're going to be anti-slavery. That means we have to be anti-Christianity, anti-Islam. We have to be anti-Abraham, anti-Moses, anti-Muhammad. We have to be anti-slavery at its most minute, period. And we, we can't make that decision because we glorify slavery in one breath, but then we condemn it in another. We can't have it both yeah, ways. You can't, you can't do that. can't be a blade runner. 
you got to decide which you're on. You're absolutely right. And that's one of the most troubling things to have discussions with people about. Because the programming makes the simple complex. You see? Programming makes what that is simplest complex. You must divest from any philosophy, any ideology that undermines you. You must, you, 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 I shouldn't tell people what they must do. I try and be very careful about telling people what they should do. But I do say that look at things that work and follow those examples. If you see a person who is succeeding in a field or trade that you enjoy or admire, study with them, not the one that doesn't know what they're doing or is failing at it. If you see that your own suffering is directly related to a failed ideology, then change your idea. It's an ideology. It's a study of ideas. It's not etched in stone. It's not something you're forced. But again, like the point the guru made, if you're raised a certain way, it's hard for you to think any other way. Part of your mind has been co-opted, held hostage by failed belief systems, what we call the original error, telling people certain things. And in the quiet of your own heart, you believe it. You look at, again, if we look at an example of the troubles in the Middle East, people are fighting and they carry religious monikers, Jewish, Muslim, whatever. And you know, you can't find that in DNA. So the DNA goes back too far. There was a time when there were no Muslims, Jews, Christians, whatever. There was none of that. For most of humanity, there was none of that. And then, but there's always been uh, conflicts, those who were vanquished in conflicts, those who were victors. And then there were ideas of ethics on how to treat people based on what they knew. And they knew that whatever is done upon you will be done to you. So they tried to be more civilized and came up with rules and laws. But then they became limited and provisional to your family or your group. And then that corruption started, but they had already seen where this is going to lead. Name anywhere in the world, in any time in history, where the only way to get rid, truly get rid of your most immediate enemy is to annihilate them from Earth. If you're unwilling to openly do that, then you have basically blessed yourself with generational revenge. It's real simple. How about just leave people to fuck alone and live and let live? What are your thoughts on that, Vin? Zia, I feel like what you're saying is powerful, and there's also a reason that it doesn't work or it hasn't worked. I shouldn't say doesn't, but it hasn't worked in practice because we've got the wrong belief system. We're in this world where it's an extractive world uh, where people want to take as much as possible, as quickly as possible, and there's a willful blindness to the consequences. And you couple that with other trends that have been in motion around social media, around polarization, around just the general level of stress and anxiety. And it's kind of like the worse the conditions are, 
the more depraved the behavior becomes. So you think about a society, once everything starts to collapse, if everyone around you is pillaging and looting and stealing and fighting for survival, you're going to do the same thing because that's what you have to do. Uh, that's happening. Uh, there are reports that that's happening in Gaza now. There are fights that are breaking out. People are getting stabbed over water and food because it's a desperate set of conditions. Uh, so I, I feel like we've gotten to a point where part of it is this failed ideology of just get more, get more, get more, uh, which isn't a very enlightened view. It, to me, it's a substitute for a real understanding of purpose. If you've got some idea of what life means or what it means to you, you can go and do that thing. But if you don't, then you focus on stuff that's easy to measure, uh, which is money, which is power, which is titles. Uh, it's stuff that you can put on display. You can talk to other people about. Uh, so part of it is that failed ideology. And then part is this stuff feeds on itself. And it gets to a point where uh, things are just really bad. So th those are some thoughts. I, I mean, I feel a little bit bad, Z, because I feel like I'm taking us in maybe more of a negative direction than, than we need to go. Uh, Personally, I don't think that we need to be all gloom and doom and feel bad about the world all the time. But having some awareness of, what going on, of what's going on is important. And Shaka, I really like what you said, uh, that you're going through all the groups that you can't support. Uh, because, Z, I think that's another issue that occurs. It's this tribalism issue. It's this need for identity and belonging. And we get that identity from groups, and those groups are based on ideas so then those ideas become part of who we are, and it becomes very difficult to hear any criticism or hear opposing points of view because it feels like a personal attack. So actually, I love what Shaka is doing, just going through each of these things systematically and saying, what can I get rid of? You know, what isn't serving me? Uh, why should I be a slave to how some other group wants me to think or wants me to act? Let me start with what's important to me, and then I can figure out where I want to be affiliated. And I'm always going to review those affiliations. Uh, and I'm not going to compromise just for the sake of being accepted or just for the sake of pleasing other people. And so I do feel like there's a way out of this, at least for us personally. You know, what happens more broadly in the world, who knows? We can have our own impact. Maybe we do catalyze some greater change. Maybe we don't. But at least as we talk about, we can do a better job managing ourselves, which gets back to a lot of the familiar ideas that we cover. Uh, it's having that clarity of self. Let's know who we are, what we care about, what we value, and then really weigh everything against that scale. And the things that aren't serving us, forget about it. You know, who cares if that's what we've always believed? Who cares if that's how we see ourselves? It's all a choice, and we can make different choices. So that, that's how I think about it, Z. Man, that's powerful, too. And, you know, you're making me reflect on something that Shaka said about slavery, right? And that's how most people in, identify Africans and African in dysphoria as, you know, at one point being enslaved by some uh, pillaging or dominant group, right? Some smarter person came in. And that's what the narrative has always been, which is, again, a false narrative. But let, let's say that's what it's been. Then how, what does a free man look like? What does a free human being look like? And we think about, if you really think about that, all of us are on the brink of being slaves, just like in a horror movie, unthinking drones, like in some old science fiction movie where they had drones, just going to work, working your life away for some emperor, 
So if I think about, when I think about things going on in the Middle East and, and some of the stuff we were talking about, you can, you can only hurt. When you see the pictures of the dead babies flying all over Gaza and the mothers uh, writing on their limbs the names of their kids so once they're blown apart, they can scrape up enough remains to say, I'm burying my child. Well, this is horrible. But you know what gets me about all of these horrors that are committed around the world or when they highlight whatever the horror of the week is? I remember when the thing with Ukraine started, and I've mentioned this before, and people were saying, we got to help Ukraine. I said, right away, I thought, but Ukraine is a, is a declared Nazi white supremacist state. They have declared that in many brochures and tourist catalogs. And when all the people were trying to leave of color, the Africans, the Indians, the Asians, all what we call so-called people of color, which is a weird term, um, they were trying to leave and they were being mistreated. And I always thought about what is it in a person that during a crisis where everybody is trying to get to safety that you would stop, take a pause and say, let's mistreat this group. So that's where me as an African and me as a black person has always been in that position of observer. So if I look at the Middle East thing and I think about the sides, and that's what I say, I just want people to think. Don't, 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 don't make anything, just think. Israel was the last country to support apartheid South Africa. Israel provided a nuclear bomb with the strategy of blowing up most of the population of Africa in order to have a white state and free it up uh, the pursuit of resources. So I can't hang out with you. The, pa the Palestinians have an area of their Palestine called the slave quarters, which are where all the black Palestinians live. When, when Palestinians come to the United States and they sign up on the immigrations and they sign up race or ethnicity, they check white because they know they will get a benefit, a social benefit from that. I can't be on your side. So I'm just kind of floating around. I'm like an independent voter. Compassion-wise, my compassion was anybody. I get it when you lose a family member, when somebody does an atrocity against you. We are experts on that. We are the go-to experts on atrocities, genocide, scientific experiments they ask, oh, how come you guys don't trust doctors? It doesn't take a whole lot of study to understand why black people don't trust doctors. So I can't really support the doctors union. Not that I don't want to, I would really like to, but since they've never ever reconciled their inhumane experiments on people like me under the guise that I didn't dream that I'm pretty much an obsolete piece of farm equipment. I can't really side with you as much as I want to, as much as I want to wave a Palestinian flag, as much as I want to support uh, the, the people who were unjustly tortured or hurt in Israel. You guys did it, you know, I, I, as a group, not as individuals, mind you, because I got Jewish family. I got Jewish nieces and nephews. I got Muslim fam. So I got love for you. But as a group, I don't. As a collective labeled group, 
I got to extract from the bag. It's like you open a bag or something and you got to make sure that everything in there isn't rotten. You know, you get a bag from one of these kind of weird stores and it's got some exotic treat in there. And every now and then there's a good one, but a lot of them have fungus on it and can't be got to throw out a lot of stuff in the bag. So that's how I feel about any organized religions, groups, or political affiliations. You can apply that to political affiliation in the United States. I like a lot of the things the Republicans say. Gun rights. I love that. I love gun rights. There's a lot of things I love. But as far as joining the Nazi party and white supremacy, I, I can't be with you on that. So, I, so much, well, I can't be a Republican. I like what the Democrats say. I'm leaving people alone and letting live and letting live. I, I like that. Except when they start imposing their views and ideas on me and I have to be in lockstep with them. And uh, dang, I just was just about to join you and then you showed your ass. Now I can't join that gang because it doesn't serve me. So I asked all opt-outs, all thinking people to pick and choose from the menu of groups, affiliations, and then take what you can use and throw the rest away. Find the good in it and throw the bad stuff away. Tribalism typically is very bad. In the Congo, we have many tribes. And the reason that people can go there and steal minerals is because the tribes are fighting each other while Elon Musk is pillaging all of Africa for car batteries. So tribalism will make you sit there and stab yourself. And it's really, if you could, it's a kind of a sardonic, a sad, but real view. Imagine looking in the mirror and wanting to kill the person you see in the mirror. That's tribalism. And the only time you stop trying to kill the person in the mirror when you see somebody different pop up in the mirror. I have a solution to the Middle East crisis. Arm everybody equally, Palestinians and Israelis, and then let some black people try to move into the neighborhood. It will be instantly cause peace in the Middle East. Instantly. You understand what I'm saying? Let some Indians move in over there. How about ship a family from Mumbai right over there? Get the dark ones though. So they, and you'll see, you'll see, you'll see unity in the Middle East for a minute. This is sad, but true. And I don't want to end on a sad note. I want to end up on a high note. But those of us who think clearly, this gives us the understanding to reject all of this. Take care of yourself, your family, surround yourself with people who have like temperaments and like-minded people, and their mindfulness came from thinking for themselves. Whenever I travel the world and I encounter uh, anything negative, most 90% of the time when I travel the world, it's always been good. I'd say 99% of the time traveling Earth, I've had a good time, and I've met wonderful people. If I'm in China, if I'm in Japan, Indonesia, anywhere in Africa, anywhere in India, I consider India my second home. I was treated so well. The only time I've gotten issues is when there is Western influence, where people have watched American TV or British TV, and they have pathologized black people. 
or they have seen something in the news or television, or they have heard something from tourists. But it was never debased on my their direct relationship and experience. Isn't that something? Wow. So what I say is reject, opt out, do for self. You follow me, Vin? Yeah. Yeah, I follow you. I don't know if you're the one who sent me the post about George Carlin or someone else did. But it was interesting because he was talking about his love for people individually, but how when people get together in groups, the groups just become insane and they band together and they've got extreme views and they cause suffering. So I agree with that. I mean, maybe that's the simplest recipe. Let's stay away from the groups uh, or at least have provisional attachment so we can be there if it serves us, but we don't have allegiance uh, to one side or the other side. But let's have allegiance to people. Let's focus on the individuals that we care about and use that as a foundation. And also remember that when you lose that part that distinguishes you as a human being is our ability to be empathetic, your ability to be compassionate, your ability to have deductive reasoning, your ability to see another as yourself, then you're on a, you're on a great path of mental decline. You will find yourself having a harder and harder time connecting to people, even those you wish to be close to. It's like when you hear stories of homicidal abusers, then people are shocked to find they also treated their family that way. Well, that behavior didn't just start that day, and it's not always directed. You think that, oh, they only will hate this kind of person. No, eventually it'll be on you, and you'll find out as all this stuff unravels in the Middle East, that some of the biggest atrocities that were committed are committed by people from the particular group uh, upon people of their own group. This is what's always been seen. So let us be careful, let's be aware, let's be able to look at things and not suddenly reflexively roll up into a ball and say, that's my side or their side. Analyze the whole thing. If you find stuff that's not agreeable or distasteful, accept it for what it is. Don't automatically say it's propaganda, it's brainwashing, it's a deep fake. It may just be true. It may be that simple that people in your group are behaving in such a way that brings dishonor to that group, whoever your group is. Just something to think about. Free yourself, free your mind, uh, unslave yourself. That's a good way to do it. Okay, Vin? All right, sounds good. Good advice. Any thoughts on everything, Shaka? good all right well that's it let's do it again next week if you enjoyed the show please consider leaving us a review on podbean itunes or your favorite podcasting app each five-star review helps us bring you more unique and insightful content learn more at dharmamedia.com peace